This is Fundraising Radio, and today our guest speaker is Brad Lockett, partner at Newport Ventures and former NFL player. And since Brad is a former NFL player, we're going to talk about gain acquiring uh, real famous people to your startups. Does it make sense? How should you do this? How should you bring influencers to your startup? And so forth. So Brad, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Newport Ventures. Sure, I, I appreciate that content. I appreciate you having me, first of all. Um, so just to give you a little background on myself, um, I so my career in the business was a, a, a crazy transition, but my background is in sports. I, I played uh, sports my entire life and um, ended up getting a scholarship to go to UCLA and was fortunate enough to um, play there for four years and then had the opportunity to play in the NFL. So. Um, played in the NFL for the New England Patriots, was um, was not drafted, made it um, the hardest way possible in the, in the NFL, which is an undrafted free agent, uh, but made it, ended up playing three years with the Patriots um, and then had one, one year with the uh, New York Jets. And um, throughout my time playing, um, you know, I started going to New York when I was playing for the New England Patriots. And as I was playing in New York, I started meeting a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and businessmen and, and investors and people who were looking to raise capital for private businesses. And that was kind of my first stint at getting introduced to the quote unquote capital raising world, uh, which is uh, very dynamic when you really look across the board in, um, in different asset classes and, and uh, you know, it's series um, of, of a business. So that was really kind of my first uh, look into, um, you know, capital markets and, and investing in private equity and venture capital and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. That's a great transition and a pretty rare one, I think. So um, let's start by talking a little bit about does it even make sense for startups to bring influencers like sports, uh, famous sports people or rappers or singers or just people like that? Uh, do you think it really makes sense to do this sort of stuff? Well, in, in what regard are you asking? Are you asking in terms of going after them as investors or getting them to endorse your, your product or your service? I think it's both. Usually when startup founders, or at least from what I've heard from uh, how people reached out to me about uh, asking those questions, I've heard them trying to actually get them as both as an investor. And therefore, they think that if this person is going to invest in them, they will be willing to support them as much as they can, hence introduce the product to the market. Well, just in terms of investors, you're always strategic capital, right? And anytime you're dealing with a celebrity, an athlete, someone who is um, very famous out there uh, has some type of social credibility in, in society it's very difficult to contact them send an email send a, a, a dm or uh, something via social media you typically want to have some type of relationship with that individual because at the end of the day uh, the reason why athletes make money outside or celebrities make money outside of what they normally do whether it be singing acting playing a sport uh, that's that's their you know ancillary income. That is endorsements. That is deals. And a lot of times you're going to be uh, giving up equity unless you have a relationship or you have a great business to where um, this company you know this individual is going to be looking to invest. And you really have to do your homework as to who you're talking to. Are you talking to uh, you know at Serena Williams, who is a very very savvy businesswoman, right? Um, or are you talking to you know someone who is less savvy? and is more concerned about short-term cash or upfront deals. I think you really just need to get clear on why you want this 
quote unquote celebrity or influencer in your organization. But more importantly, you need to ask yourself, what benefit are they going to bring to you for me to give them X of the company, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really twofold, I think. I think one, you need to really ask yourself, one, why do I, why do we need this celebrity or what are they going to do for us? And then two, you gotta ask yourself, what am I willing to give up? And does it really make financial sense? Because if it doesn't, then you need to reevaluate that situation or maybe even shoot a little bit higher up the, the totem pole, whether you, maybe, maybe you're going after a, a B or C list type of celebrity and maybe you need to be going after an A. Got it. So here I, uh, you mentioned uh, giving them part of the company and share of the company. Uh, personal experience, I have none with celebrities, to be quite honest, but I've seen one in the movie. I'm not sure if you have seen it or heard. I'm pretty sure you've heard the story, the Firefest, uh, uh, awful story scandal here. Uh, have you heard of it? It is. I'm actually friends. I have, I have a buddy who manages Ja Rule. Um, oh, nice. Nice. So people who have never heard of Fire Festival, you should really take just Google Fire Festival movie. You will absolutely love it. Seriously. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, even though I'm really skeptical on basically any movie that's somehow related to startups because they're usually so stupid. Anyways, um, let's talk a little bit about that experience. In that movie, they paid, I mean, not, it's a real life story. So in real life, they actually paid models huge amounts of money to just post um fire festival on their link uh, on their instagram uh just to try to get it viral and it actually did what went viral do you think that makes sense for a startup founder to pay uh some sort of money i'm not talking about the same amounts that were mentioned in the movie but do you think it really makes sense for people to offer uh those celebrities some money i do i mean again it really comes back to what is that celebrity bringing to the table? What value, intrinsic value do they have to offer to a company like yours? In that instance, uh, there was clearly some value there, right? Or mm -hmm. um, looking for something different. Music festivals are bigger than they've ever been before in the world. And it was all about timing, really. And so they offered some value and they, they got all these celebrities on board and you know paid a lot of money to have them uh, perform at the event. but. Obviously, that was business, so a very different situation. Um, I always, always, always tell uh, investors, I tell businesses, do your homework. I can't tell you how important it is to vet a deal the correct way. So many investors, so many even in, in VC guys that I that I talk to, they don't value deals the right way. They don't look at how is this company going to make me money. And it really depends on who you're talking to, where you're talking to. I know New York is very different. If you're talking internationally, I know they look at different metrics. If you're in Silicon mm -hmm. Valley, they're, they're filled with technology. They care about user base. If you're looking at LA, they look at numbers, right? They want to see real revenue, right. uh, real growth in the company and, and figure out how can I make money with you. So you really need to do your homework and figure out who your target demographic is and then who your target investors are to look at raising capital for. That's actually great advice. Demographics, I think, are extremely important. Sometimes you can just pour money into something that's just not going to give you anything. So let's talk a little bit about more of uh, the target audience of fundraising radio. Many of my listeners are early stage and often they just don't have money to, to pay for those celebrities. And just like many startups, not talking exclusively about my audience, but many of my listeners are early stage. So I was thinking in the back of my mind right now when you were talking about uh, finding those celebrities, do you think it makes sense to find someone who is not that famous, but who 
has a chance of becoming famous and just trying to build up a partnership, maybe like trying to lock them up in a contract or something like that, just like betting on someone who is not yet famous, but who has a chance of being famous and who is, who might as well bring you some, some, uh, at least like minimum amount of users. Do you think that makes sense? So really ask yourself that, that question again, right? Should I, I'm a startup. I have no, maybe I bootstrapped it myself. Uh, maybe I, you know, raised some capital for friends and family. Maybe I have a hundred grand in the bank, right? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense to waste time on someone who may not necessarily be famous or you're hoping that they do the work to make themselves famous? And, and this isn't a uh, overnight situation. I don't know if you, you know, you study people, but you know, stars, celebrities, Hollywood, it takes years and years for people to really become stars. So if you're trying to bet on somebody that is, you know, very low level, maybe has some notoriety in their city, but you're saying, Hey, I think this guy's the next big thing. And I want to bring him onto my startup. Well, you're really making a bet and those mm-hmm. kind of bets. I don't like to make, especially as an investor, especially as uh, someone who runs a firm where we're placing deals and our reputation is on the line. Absolutely. That actually makes sense. And now I'm kind of realizing that the question was pretty stupid, uh, but no, I, I tend to, to no, ask those. No, 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 there's no, no stupid questions. There, there's, there's no stupid questions. And obviously this is, this is why we have, you know, this is why you started this, this, this channel, right? Is to give startup founders, to give people who want to start businesses, the proper information to go out and be able to succeed. So there's no dumb questions, please so keep, keep going. Absolutely. Thank you a lot for the support, ladies and gentlemen, right here. You can see LA enthusiasm. This is just the attitude of Los Angeles. So I love it. And thanks a lot for that. <laughs> so let's talk about more specific stuff. Uh, you've been on that position of this famous person who is you know, uh, influential in the field of sports. And uh, you were being approached a lot by founders, potential uh, investors who wanted to actually get money from you. How were they doing this? And how do you think that transition? Uh, it's been a while ago, right? When did you leave sports? It was about seven years ago. It was 2013, but mm-hmm. you know, it still kind of carried over um, to other things, right? I, I, I wasn't just a football player. I was, you know, I did other things. I was, you know, I was doing music, and you know, I was a um, big philanthropist. So I did nice. have some notoriety after sports. It's been about seven years. Guys, so how do you think that method of communication between uh, influencers and startup founders changed throughout those seven years. Ask that question again. I'm sorry. I didn't so, uh, there, of course, there was a big, huge transition between how people communicate in those seven years. You know, how do you think right now sure. founders should reach out to those influencers? Should it be Instagram? Should it be LinkedIn? Uh, email? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's it's funny because you really got to look at what platforms are are the most popular and what do most people communicate on. Um, the third thing I would ask is, what do I have access to, right? And obviously, the best way to contact anybody is by phone. But if I don't have that person's <laughs> phone number or someone close to them, then it's very difficult to get them on the phone. But really, when you want to get people on the phone today, the best way to do that is through social media. If you do not have a contact, a close contact, a business manager, um, an active manager, a day-to-day manager, um, or you know, if you really look at it back in 2010 you know, to 12, where I was really raising capital back then the two major platforms were facebook and um and twitter right instagram mm-hmm. had just 
you know, really become relevant at that time. And it was, it, there was nothing about Instagram except for really posting photos. It was a quick <laughs> way to post photos to Facebook. Right. Right. And so that was the way that we communicated. Um, but today there's so many different platforms. I think Absolutely. LinkedIn is probably one of the most professional platforms you can go after. If you're going to try to, uh, communicate with somebody, obviously do some digging, um, go on the internet, Google people, Google managers. Um, they're not hard to find. Every single celebrity has, uh, you know, an email in their, uh, usually in their, in their profile header. So, um, I would just do your homework, um, really get down and dirty and figure out, uh, how I can get in front of them. And I would try to pierce as many different angles as possible. So the best way to get celebrities or the best way to get athletes is to contact them on multiple platforms. So if they have a Twitter contact them on, a, on Twitter, um, I, I, it's funny. I told somebody to do something and it actually worked, but no emojis <laughs> in the, in the message. Okay. Popular people get a lot of DMs. They get a lot of messages. People always want something. And so if you're trying to contact somebody for business, put an emoji in there to just strike their attention and be very brief. Say, Hey, I have a business opportunity. I run a startup. We sell X, Y, and Z. I'd love to talk to you about bringing you on board, right? Be very, very specific. Um, and you'll get a response. But if you're like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this business opportunity, they're not going to respond to you. But start on one platform, and I would hit Twitter, I would hit Instagram. If they have a LinkedIn and their business manager has a LinkedIn, I'd add them on LinkedIn. I'd email them, right? And usually they'll get back to you uh, within means, unless it's just something bogus and doesn't even make sense for them to talk to you. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Emojis, I have. It sounds awful for me to throw emojis into something official, but it does really, it really does make sense. So now let's talk a little bit about your personal investments preferences. You've invested yourself. You've seen people investing. What do you think are three must have points on the pitch deck? So the, when you, when you talk about putting a pitch together, this is the art, putting a pitch together is a piece of art and it's very simple yet so many entrepreneurs and startups miss it, right? I would say the number one thing on your pitch deck, it needs to be very, very clear. And the number one thing when you're sitting down with an investor, whether they're accredited, whether they're uh, a VC, uh, you know, doesn't matter what stage, you need to understand how you're making money and how, uh, how you're going to help this VC make money, right? That's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. So what's the business model? Okay. Is it a SaaS company? Is it, you know, system as a software? Is it a subscription? Um, you know, what are the price points and what, how are you going to make money? Right. Is it sellable and is it scalable? That's what I always like to say, right? Mm -hmm. Can we sell this? Can we, how many units can, of this can we sell? And after we sell these units, can we scale from there? Right. Can we include more product lines? Right. What are the other services? What are the other revenue lines? Right. If you're, if you're betting on one revenue stream and you're hoping this thing works, unless you have the next best kept secret that is not already in the marketplace, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to find funds because nobody wants to invest in the second best thing or the third best thing. They want to invest in the, in the best thing possible, right? Because you don't want to compete, especially today in today's market. If it was 10 years ago, people were throwing money at things left and right, right? If you had mm -hmm. a technology company, a website, um, if you had track record of users, all you really needed was, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand users and you could raise money, but really 10,000 users, and you mm -hmm. can start raising money very, very quickly today. It's not like that. Right. So first and foremost is, uh, understanding your business model, making sure you can explain that articulately. 
Okay. Second thing is what differentiates you from the competition, right? I just kind of talked about that, but points of parity, I like to call it, right? What differentiates you from everybody else in the market? Why you? Why out of millions of companies in the marketplace, potentially, you know, hundreds of millions, why am I investing in you, right? Mm -hmm. And so the third thing that I always look at is proof. Proof that a real market exists because the last thing that I want to do is invest my money or bring you to one of our partners to invest in, set up a meeting, and you're telling me that the market cap is, you know, 500 million, right? That's 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 a that's a very small number, okay? When you're really looking at the big scheme of things, right? right. Market cap's five million, and I'm looking to, you know, take 20% of the marketplace per se, which is 20, you know, which is a uh, hundred million dollars, right? Yeah, that's a business, but you know, you have to be very particular who you're bringing that that deal to, right? Because there's certain investors that are looking for home runs, and then there's other investors that are looking that are okay with the 50 to 100 million dollar exit, right? And that's where you have to really do your homework. But really, the three things, and just to kind of backtrack, are one, making sure that you understand your business model and that your business model is actually efficient, sellable, and scalable. Okay. The second thing is points of differentiation, right? Making sure that you understand your competitive advantage and why you're better than your competition, okay? The last thing is proof of a real market. Make sure that there's actually customers that exist uh, and you're not shooting, you know, blanks um, at, uh, you know, at, at the marketplace. Got it. Those are great advice, great points, and I think those are really important. So uh, before I move on to my next question, I want to talk a little about Los Angeles. I'm a big fan of Los Angeles. You know, I'm based in Los Angeles. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do you think, what's so special about the city in terms of startups? So Silicon Valley is basically all the startups. Los Angeles is, of course, famous for its entertainment uh, sphere. So do you think people who are building startups in entertainment field, should they really go to Los Angeles just to raise money for that? You know, I don't think it's a requirement to be in a particular city just to raise capital, right? Uh, obviously, we have the internet now. Um, you can, as you can see with COVID, everybody can hop on a Zoom call. You can be, I've been right. on Zoom with probably more people from around the world than I think I've ever spoken the last three, four weeks, right? <laughs> it, you don't need to pick up and move everything to come to a city just to raise capital. Um, you know, if it, if it makes sense, if it's where you want to be, if that's, you know, maybe your, 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 your service is California, maybe, you know, you have a store and you plan on opening something in California, right? That makes sense. But strategically just to pick up and move to California, I don't think it makes, it makes sense, right? Because mm -hmm. there's capital all over the place right now. All you have to do is pick up the phone, um, talk to the right people, start setting up meetings. And if it makes sense jump on a plane if you know maybe your investors like hey i want you near me i'm going to pay for you to come to california we're going to open an office here that makes sense right but really wait till you have some type of uh guarantee on the back end before you pick everything up it makes no sense whatsoever mm -hmm. good point good point i like it so here i want to touch on to a topic that we've discussed in our previous call uh which was just one-on-one -on -one. Uh, and you mentioned that you think that startup founders should really stay away from crowdfunding platforms. And I really, really heavily disagree on you with it on this topic. Uh, can you go a little bit in depth? Why do you think crowdfunding is not that good? Listen, I don't think crowdfunding is bad. I think if you don't have a network, 
this is the thing. If, if you're looking for proof of concept, right, before actually putting putting your own business, right, if you're looking for proof of concept to say, hey, what does the marketplace think of this product, right? I know Oculus was started on, on um, you know, crowdsourcing. Uh, there's been, you know, the, the pop sockets on the iPhone were started on, on crowdsourcing. It's a great place to test your product to see what consumers really feel about, you know, what it is you're offering the marketplace. Um, where it does get complicated is the cap table. Um, how much equity are you really giving away? Because maybe you're trying to raise, you know, two million bucks or a million bucks. Let's just keep it even at a million bucks for, mm-hmm. you know, 30% of your company and you actually raise that. Well, is it really a, you know, is the valuation really at three or four million, right? Or is it a lot higher than that, right? So you start messing with the cap table when you have all of these investors jumping in. And then now now you have, you know, let's just say you've raised a million bucks. Now you have, um, you know, probably close to, you know, 250, maybe more investors involved in your company. So it, 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 it does muddy the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's bad? No, it's great for proof of concept. Um, do I think if you if you really want to be taken seriously, um, you know, there's there's anomalies and everything, but I think there's ways to do it first before you go that route. I would exacerbate all of the other you know platforms, friends and family. I would I would go to <clears throat> excuse me. I would go to um, you know look at uh, VCs. I'd look at you know family offices. I'd look at different investment funds. And once you've exacerbated all those options then throw your product up onto, you know, on a crowdsourcing platform, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I still disagree with you, but that really makes sense. I, I like that you agree that it's a good proof of concept because I think it's, it's actually a great proof of concept. Uh, but here I want to move on to our last question, probably last question. Uh, it's the thing that I try to ask every speaker of mine. What do you think should be the first three steps that the founder should take to get the check from an investor? So first three three steps, and I'll just work backwards, is one, making sure that your pitch deck is put together the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that when you show up, everything is checked, all the boxes are checked, right? Um, making sure that you have the, and, and this is the thing, so many people focus on projections. It's it, This is the, one of the, the, the craziest, not the craziest thing, but uh, one of the things that kind of rubs me the wrong way is so many people focus on projections, particularly in startups. And the thing is, you have no revenue yet. Most most startups have no revenue, right? And so mm-hmm. you're focused on something that's imaginary, right? I, you, you can honestly plug in whatever numbers you want in your Excel spreadsheet, and it's all, you know, BS really at the end of the day. So first and foremost is really dial in on your pitch deck and make sure that you understand your business model and you can articulate that eloquently to whoever it is that you're talking to, right? making sure that it's not muddied with a ton of information that doesn't need to be there, right? The average pitch deck should be really about 12 slides, no more than that. If it's mm-hmm. more than that, you know, something is either wrong or you have way too much information in your pitch deck. So first and foremost is, is making sure that the pitch is done the right way. The second thing is making sure you're showing up the right way, right? Don't show up to pitch the product and not be able to um, answer the right questions. Okay. You should know more about the, your company than anybody else. And if you can't answer a question, like, don't get me wrong. Not everybody's going to be able to answer questions. Just say, I don't know, but 
I will get back to you tomorrow with answer, right? But if you're mumbling and fumbling and you don't know your 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 revenue model, you don't know how what your go-to-market strategy. I remember I was sitting in a pitch, um, you know, not too long ago, and it was a, a sleep company, and they couldn't tell us what the go-to-market strategy was, and you know, it, I asked two other people asked and they still couldn't explain how they were going to get customers. They were, they were trying to go, they're saying, well, we're going to go through the insurance route. Well, okay. But how are you going to get customers, right? You're, you're going to go through insurance company and offer your product as a sleep aid, but that doesn't tell me how you plan on scaling, Right. So right. being able to articulate that, I think, um, is, is the next big thing. And then being able to just be genuine, just be genuine, be authentic, be you, the, worst thing that you can do is show up trying to be something that you're not because investors pick up on that immediately right they're looking for somebody who can come in confident know what they're doing obviously track record matters um, but if you have no tractor track record but you know exactly what you're doing you know everything about your company you've done your homework you've done your studying you've looked at several financial models you've looked at all the objections you've pitched it to friends, you pitched it to family, you can even maybe talk to some colleagues that you may have worked with prior to, right? When you come in like that, that's when it's respected. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that the, really to top it off and go back, the three main things are the pitch deck, mastering the pitch deck, okay? The second thing is to understand your revenue model, okay? And then the third thing is showing up authentically and being able to answer questions. Now, that's, that's the pitch, right? That's the perfect pitch. Now, once you get after the pitch stage, now it's just about being able to communicate, staying in touch with investors and giving investors what they're asking for, right? Usually the first meeting, I've never seen anybody invest in a company after the first meeting, right? Oh yeah. So after that, there's going to be things, there's going to be follow-ups, there's going to be questions that are asked. You need to be able to go and get that information and give that to that investor or give that to whoever's asking within 24 to 48 hours, right? You mm -hmm. need to be so adamant about staying on top of them that they never forget you, right? And constantly checking in because you never know what changes, what shifts. Um, and if somebody asks you, if they give you some constructive criticism and say, this is what I would like to see, and you don't take that when it's coming from a good place, then that's the first mistake. So really just evaluating that and being able to cater to invest you're talking to because everybody's a little bit different investing is all about relationships and, and when you're talking to these investors everybody's looking for something different they have a different price point that they're looking for they have a uh, a different return that they that they need to make sure that they make and so that's that's first and foremost great great advice loved it so i think we'll wrap it up here that that was a great great episode loved everything we've discussed here especially except for the for the uh, crowdfunding of course I definitely disagree with you on that no, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding I, I i like when i actually fight with my speakers because it means i'm actually giving my listeners something new not just my opinion you know which might be wrong of course listen i i i, I love your opinion i think it's i think it's right <laughs> for the right person i don't think crowdfunding is bad by any means i just think it's very particular for the right company absolutely yeah that's that's a good point you're you're, you're absolutely right in that so we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Brad, for coming up uh, on Fundraising Radio, for sharing your experience, your knowledge in this field that for many people is just a mystery because I don't think that many uh, influential people are actually telling exactly what they need, what they want to see, how to approach them. It's just 
mysterious field, you know. <laughs> so thanks a lot for sharing uh, some insights on that. And thanks for taking your time on uh, Sunday evening. <laughs> no, it's, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the, the time and um, I hope your, your viewers uh, found it valuable. Um, if anybody, I'm, I'm always happy to answer questions. You can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Brett Lockett. Um, and then you can always uh, go to our website uh, at newportventuresgroup.com and uh, feel free to uh, email us. Absolutely. I will include links to your LinkedIn and to Newport Ventures in the description of this episode. So if you want to check them out, just check them out in the description of the episode. <laughs> All right. Thanks and awesome. have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. You too.